We'll go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this time that we can be gathered together this evening. We pray, Lord, that you would have your hand upon each life group as we minister now from your word. Pray that you'd guide the discussion and help us to make the application that you'd have for us. And Lord, lead our church very clearly in these days as we're specifically asking you for wisdom concerning uh, this Family Ministry Center project. Pray, Lord, for uh, your help and guidance. Lord, that you would nurture in us a heart of surrender and trust and generosity. And that, Lord, that we would walk by faith. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I hope you brought your booklet. If you didn't, well, you'll, uh, you'll have to share with somebody. Uh, there may be a couple extra out there. I haven't checked. Um, but we're going to review this morning's message. And if you have been with us on, on Sunday nights, you know, uh, typically we, we break down the morning message in the evening and talk about some more application and have opportunities to just further digest, uh, give the Sunday morning message a little bit more, a little longer shelf life. It's easy to hear a message and run out the door and you forget everything about it. So this gives us an opportunity to uh, take some more time. And also, sometimes people have questions. Maybe you went home and uh, rehashed things over the lunch table. You had some questions on the way home from church or going and coming. Um, this is a good time to, uh, to get into that again. So we read this morning two long passages. And if you know how I preach, I don't normally do that. Two whole chapters, 28 and 29, took us the whole message, which I knew it would. Um, kind of a walk-through, talk-through uh, uh, way of looking at, at, at this passage. But I wanted us to get the, the whole thing, First Corinthians, sorry, First Chronicles 28 and 29, where David is at the end of his life, and this is an opportunity for him now to give back to the Lord after God had so abundantly taken care of him. He was uh, just overwhelmed with, overwhelmed with gratitude, and he was humbled at God's goodness in his life, and he was excited to be able to give back to the Lord. But did God let him give back in the way he had desired? No, he didn't. Did that discourage him? No. Did that deter him in any way whatsoever from giving back to the Lord in, in generous fashion? Didn't deter him at all. Uh, he wanted to build the temple. And that was his desire that God had put on his heart. And at first, the prophet said, go get him, build that temple. And the Lord said, uh, you didn't check with me first. Go back and tell him that's not a good idea. Have you ever spoken out of turn? I definitely have. So the prophet goes back and says, sorry, oops, uh, God said you can't build the temple. David doesn't fall apart, doesn't have a pity party, doesn't throw a fit. He says, okay, well, can I help the guy who does? Well, the guy who's going to do it is your son coming after you, and you can prepare all you want to your heart's content. And so he does. And chapter 28 and 29 details how David uh, prepared. He had plans. He had detailed plans worked out for every single thing, from the candlesticks to the, the, um, the, the treasuries to the courts, and everything was all figured out. The pattern of the porch, he had all these patterns and plans. He had all of the gold, all of the silver, all of the wood, all of the iron. Everything was literally sitting there. All Solomon had to do was walk into it 
and start building. Uh, what a blessing that David did in making it not about himself, making it about the Lord and saying, all I wanted to do was give. I just wanted to give. I didn't need to be the guy that does it. I don't need to be the hero. I just want to give and God's giving me that opportunity and he took it. And uh, so of course, as we mentioned, he, he assembles the leadership first. He tells them about the desire that God put in his heart and how God was not going to grant that desire specifically, but going to let his son uh, build it in his place. But he said, I'm going to prepare and have prepared. And uh, he gives the pattern to, to Solomon in the presence of these leaders. And he shows them where the gold is and the silver and all the instruments and everything else. And then uh, verse 19 in verse 20, he says to his son, Be strong and of a good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord thy God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And behold the courses of the priests and the Levites, even they shall be with thee. And he basically says, You're not alone. Everybody here you see is going to be with you. We're all gathering around you. You have everybody you need. You have the plans. You have the provisions. But most importantly, you have the God who has, who has uh, uh, called you for this task and he will finish it. Don't be dismayed. Don't be overwhelmed. Just look to God. And then in chapter 29, he gets the congregation together. He's got the leadership figured out, not the congregation. And he says, I prepared with all my might for the house of God. The, the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, the wood, the onyx stones, and the glistering stones, and all the diverse colors, and precious stones, and marble. He says, I have set my affection to the house of God. And then he goes on to tell them that I didn't just give the wealth from the state. He says, I have given, verse 3, of mine own proper good, of my own personal goods, is what he's saying. And he spells it out. Here's what I myself have given. And he even counts it out. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver, etc., etc. And he says, that's over and above what I gave from the state's coffers, okay? And then he asked them this question, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? The chief fathers and princes come forward, and they give, and the number is counted there. And then the people come forward, and they rejoice in verse 9, and they offered willingly because they, with a perfect heart, they offered willingly unto the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. And you see just the, the excitement growing in this passage. They haven't even built anything yet. But they're bubbling over with joy, and then God gets all the glory. And verses 11, really down through the end, is just a song of praise. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and earth is thine and the kingdom, O Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might and thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. What a focus as he blesses the Lord. He is blessing the Lord for what he's about to do. 
we tend to take credit for what we do. But he knew something that maybe this world hasn't figured out. He knew that what he was about to do, he wasn't really doing. It was God enabling him to do it. It was God's honor, God's mercy, God's provision, God's riches. It was all about God. And so he is praising the Lord for what he gets to do. And that is so biblical. It's so right for us to have that perspective. And then I love the humility of verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? He counted it a privilege, not a pressure, not a drudgery, but it was an incredible privilege that he and his people would be able to willingly offer back to the Lord. We're just simple strangers and sojourners and you're going to let us, though our days are like a shadow, you're going to let us put something here for the generations to come that we'll have a part in. And he continues uh, to praise God. And at the end of the passage, in verse 20, he commands the congregation, now bless the Lord your God. And they all blessed him. And they gave and they sacrificed and they ate. They had the potluck of the century. You know, they had sacrifices and they were just having a great time and nothing had been built yet. But it was just so exciting to be able to give. And a spirit of generosity had overwhelmed the entire group that day. And they were literally thrilled just to be a part of what God was doing. They did eat and drink before the Lord that day with great gladness. So the takeaways again, I'll hit them quickly. Generosity grows out of humble gratitude. Joy, gladness, praise, and rejoicing are not robbed by generosity. They are the product of generosity. And thirdly, we dare not expect others to do what we're not willing to do ourselves first with all our might. And generosity is not just about a destination. It's about the journey itself. And then number five, the idea of willingness mentioned nine times is fundamental to true generosity. If it's not willing, then what is it? It's extracting. And uh, God does not want to extract an offering from you. Uh, that's, that, that, that's not the heart that he wants. He wants you to love him so much and to be so grateful and overwhelmed with gratitude that you would want to give willingly that offering to him. Not that he needs it, but it means something. My kids like to give me gifts. And very rarely do my kids actually find something that I really, really need, you know? With one exception. There was one time my kids got together and gave me a gift that I needed. It was a bottle full of back pain pills. <laughs> I don't know, was that your idea? Samuel, Samuel's ideas. And Samuel's like, let's get dad some back pain pills. <laughs> so usually though it's cards and pictures and crafts and, so, and it's cool and I love it. Absolutely love it and I'll take it. Sometimes my kids get really creative and they wrap up these amazing gifts and give my stuff back to me. Like, oh, that's great. I've been missing that. Oh, I always loved that. You know, thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, 
But rarely, rarely, they're, they're kids, right? Why do I want their gift? Because it was their willing, cheerful, heartfelt gift of love and gratitude, and it means something. God doesn't need our gift. He doesn't have to have our gift to, 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 to make it. But he loves the fact that we would love him and that we'd be thankful and filled with humble gratitude to say, Lord, here, uh, I, I want to give this back to you. So, thoughts that you have from this morning. Oh, and we're also going to get into some of the, little, whoops, the booklet here. Um, so we, we can get into that as well. But first off, any thoughts, comments about this morning with, with David, Solomon, and these two chapters that we covered? I know we covered a lot of stuff. Yes, sir. My Bible was printed in 1975. So it's got a monetary value to what David gave and the rulers gave. So mm. I'm guessing this is based on 1975 gold and silver prices. Sure. And it just has it in the margin of the reference for David in verse 4 the, of chapter 29. The 3,000 talents of gold, they say that was equal to $576 million. And remember a talent was, what, 75 to 150 pounds? You know, anywhere that... And then the silver. Wow. The, the seven, uh, yeah, 7,000 uh, silver, refined silver. This wasn't junk silver. Yes. He gave the best. Yes. 36960000 So you're, according to them, uh, over $600 million David gave. Wow. And then the leaders in verse 7, 960480000 of the gold and $52 million, uh, of the silver just obviously astronomical amounts, but it, it shows the heart Wow! giving the best. Could you guys all hear that okay? And I don't know, do we have our, yeah, we have the mic. So hopefully that mic is picking up some of what's said. Thank you for sharing that. I had never thought to look that up. Uh, and that's 1975 numbers before. 20X. So it's 20 times more than that. Yeah, ever since about 2020 when things went like this, <laughs> this went straight up. Wow. So David went first and he went all in. And he did say, I have prepared with all my might. And I guess he wasn't kidding. And uh, what a blessing for him to uh, throw himself into this and then lead his people. His leaders come behind him and they give as well. Brother Steve? I know this is Yeah. Hence, we'll be throwing our crowns at his feet. Yeah, amen. We are the temple. Yeah, David spared no expense, and the Lord, interestingly enough, did not turn him back and say, whoa, 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 whoa. this is over the top. No, you, you can't spend that kind of money on this project. 
this is, this is just shameful. No, he didn't. God, God totally allowed that. And that building was absolutely nothing short of magnificent. I would love to have seen it. Yes, ma'am. Oh, over here. Eight billion? Eight billion in gold. Man, I don't feel so bad about a $3 million project. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting perspective there. But I do kind of feel bad about, okay, if David went first and I'm going first, let's move on. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Yes, yeah, right, right. No, but I mean, I want to give everything God will let me give to this thing, and I'm excited about how he's going to provide. Yes, Kevin? Yeah, a lot of it there is David led by example, was everybody else was looking at him on it too, but you think of it, everything that everybody owns, even that David owns, God owns it all anyways. He owns your heart, mm -hmm. your soul, right. everything. Right. He wants to see your love, your contentment that you have towards him, and David took the first step being the king at that time, okay, if he did this, this opened everybody else's high eyes too to see, okay, if he did it, the Lord's standing there with open arms mm -hmm. and saying, hey, show me your heart. What, yeah. what are you going to do? He knows what you're going to do before you even think it and what you're going to do anyways. Right. But he wants to have your testimony pretty well. Show me what you're going to do. Yeah, sure. Show me your heart. Amen. And that kind of answers my first question. Uh, I'll just give it and anyone can else answer as well. But why is giving to the church uh, or God's work, why is this important to God? If God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, if, if God is omnipotent, he can't need our help, right? He can't need our money. So why is this important to God? We've pretty much already said it. Uh, one way, shape or form, it's, it's already been said. Um, this is, and feel free to add to what I'm saying, uh, but this is God's invitation for us to be a part of what he's doing, to work along with him. And it also, in addition to that, it is an opportunity for us to demonstrate what he means to us. It's not that he requires a gift. I don't require a gift from my wife. Uh, she doesn't require a gift from me. But when we do give each other a gift of some kind, it means something. It's just, it's nice, you know. It shows where our heart is, and it's a blessing. Um, and I believe that giving to the Lord and to the Lord's work is something that is a tangible way we can express our heartfelt gratitude and the priority that he is. Anyone to add to that? Or any other thoughts on that? Yes. Yeah, it's a stewardship. I'm looking for a quote here on my phone. I'm not checking any scores, I promise, or anything like that. Um, yeah, um, here it is. So, um, yeah, it's a stewardship. He owns it all, and, and uh, as we're investing that stewardship, what better investment than where God is working? And you look at, 
um, David's investment in the temple, of course, we know that it was eventually pulled down. But how long did that take? I'm not a historian here. How many years? Someone probably has that on their phone or something. But it was, it was several generations before that came down. It, and it, was, uh, it lasted a long, long time. There are so many things we invest in that won't last 10 years, let alone all those generations, um, multiple grandsons and great-grandsons and great, you know, uh, were blessed by this investment. Yes? Absolutely. We are accountable for it. Absolutely. Yes, Valerie. I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective very much, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. We're not just stewarding a building. We're stewarding the lives, the opportunities, the families. Yes. That's good. Other thoughts on that? Otherwise, I'll take the question as it's written and turn it. It starts off with why is giving to the church something that's important to God? I think that's obvious to us all. But the next question just changes one word. Why is giving to the church something that's important to you? So we're going to personalize this. Why is giving to the church, or you can broaden it to God's work, something that's important to you? Yes. This isn't so much on building, but it's on what's the purpose of the building. To perpetuate the gospel of future generations, but to the ministry. The first time you see the word tenth in the Bible is Jacob in Genesis 28 after the latter vision said, you bring me back here, I'll give a tenth, this will be God's house, Bethel. You give for the perpetuity of the ministry. Yeah, and so the pastor and they can have a, a, a wage, you know, Giving is to perpetuate the gospel, the priesthood, hmm. uh, the church, but, and you do it in a building. I know they say, well, try having services in the middle of January outside. <laughs> it, it doesn't work very good in Michigan or anywhere where it's cold. But my point is, giving the tent, it was always to me in the scriptures for the, for the temple, for the priests to live on, and then in the New Testament, Paul said, to the, to the gospel ministry. 
gospel yeah. than the preacher. So to me, you want to see it keep going. And if you need a bigger building because you're getting too many people, and mm. you got to give to keep, to keep it going. Amen. I appreciate that. Being concerned about the perpetuity of what God is doing and not just saying, oh, it's always going to be here. It's, I'm sure someone will give somewhere. And if God wants it to stick around, he'll meet the need, but not through me, you know. Uh, yeah, you, we want to give because we, we want to be a part of that perpetuity. Why are some other reasons that you, you find it important? Yes, sir. Well, giving does a work in our heart. Yeah. When we give, first, God has to work in our heart to be able to give yeah. in a generous way. But giving does a work in our heart. You know, the Bible says where our, where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And if, our, if our treasure is all in our own bank account, you know, we're just going to be self-focused, I mm. think. But when we give in a heartfelt, generous manner, it just, it just does a work in us. It draws us closer to the Lord. It, it helps us invest more in God's work. I've, I've felt that way. Not that I've you know, given great amounts, but when I've given something that was important, I've just, it's just helped to pull me closer to the Lord and my heart closer. That's really the perhaps the most important benefit. Amen. Personally. Amen. That's great. Uh, Shan. Um, in chapter 28, the very last part, says, Dave is talking to Solomon, it says, uh, the princes and all the people will be holy at thy commandment. David, without reservation, said, everybody's with you. Go. Mm. And I think there's something about being a body and moving together that's important and uh, visible um, that we do work in unity, move together, it's not a common thing, I mean, especially now we get politics or anything else, the infighting yeah. and everything, that, that we can move in a direction. I think that draws people by itself, and it's good for us to mm. um, be obeying the Lord and and moving in the direction that the church is going as a body. I, I totally concur with that. And it is neat to see how God gave that kind of unity to those people in that time especially if you've worked with people for any amount of time, you know that unity can't be taken for granted. If you've been in a Baptist church very long or this church for very long, unity can't be taken for granted. Uh, but uh, this was something that unified them. They had a common purpose. We're going forward. We're giving back to God. He's building something. We get to be a part of it. Stop, stop arguing and let's, let's keep going. Amen. They were all wholly at Solomon's disposal. It wasn't just David's idea they all picked up the, ba the, the banner. It doesn't say all the men, all the leaders. Yeah. It says yeah. everybody. Yeah, everybody. amen. So I assume that's women, children. That's everyone. Yes. I, that's pretty amazing. Amen. Why else is giving to the church something that's important to you? Yes, sir. I believe a, a person that is a blood-bought, thankful Christian, they have to have Have to have an event. You have to have an event for that desire to worship and serve. I know when Laura and I were led out of the church we were at for over 30 years. I mean, the countless things that we were doing, just be out of wanting to serve the Lord. All of a sudden, nothing. It's like our Sunday school was listening to a series that Paul Chapel was giving that he had put online. And 
but still there was no way to serve with other believers. Uh, and we would visit other churches. It was just like being in the Sahara for a few months, um, not being able to actively serve and worship as a, with another called out body of believers. Um, but every person that knows they're saved, is thankful they're saved, and wants to be used of the, of the Lord, it's a, it's a, it's a, if that if there's no vent for that desire, that person will just go either dormant or just go crazy until they find a way to be able to serve. <laughs> mm. Yeah, serving, giving uh, is is really part and par part and parcel to what a Christian is or should be because of how much we have been given. Absolutely. Why else is it important to you, Megan, or someone over here? You're pointing to somebody. What? Oh, you got to have to do this, Liesl. Sorry. <laughs> I think it's so exciting, like to step out of our of what's comfortable to see God do something greater than what we could ever imagine. Amen. And I think that's what this is for my faith to see. You know that our small part can have a big part of what God wants to do. Um, and then also for our children, it just makes him bigger. Which Amen. Is, I think that's the important thing about here's my small gift, do whatever you want, but do something big so I can see how big you are and that he gets the glory. Amen. That's great. I, I, for me, I've already mentioned this a little bit, but um, when we were on the road, we were always being given to, and that was a blessing. But I remember we had one situation where we felt that we had been abundantly blessed and that we should we should look to bless someone and my wife and I talked and and we decided we should try to help a college student at that time we were based out of our church which had a college and so I went into the dean's dean of students office and I said hey is there anybody who can't come back to school unless they get a large or a sizable donation and he said well let me look he pulled out the file he's like this person this person and this person and we couldn't help all three but the one at the top of the list we knew her and i was immediately burdened i told rebecca i was like what do you think she's like yes so we were able to write a check give it to him and told him keep our name anonymous and uh so she got her bill paid off so she could come back to school she sent us a letter and she didn't know who she was writing. She just gave it to the dean to give it to us. And uh, it was so cool to get that letter. And she didn't know who we were, but she did know us, <laughs> you know. And uh, I, I was like, I can't believe we were able to do that. We pulled that off. That was so cool. The Lord let us do that. It was his money. We just funneled it. And uh, she was so encouraged. Her faith was so built. She had been praying. She had people praying. And she wasn't sure if she's going to be able to make it back to school and all of this. And to think that we were part of that answer to prayer, that God had put us in the right spot, provided so that we could do that, it was really, really exciting. Now, while I was in evangelism, I didn't have a lot of stories like that. You know, uh, that might be the only one. <laughs> I just told my story. Um, but in evangelism, things were a little tight oftentimes. Now, we were never begging for money. It, God always provided for us. Finances was never a struggle for us in evangelism to the glory of God. 
but we were not at a place where we were able to just be a blessing to everybody and their mother. Um, and so one thing I've been really excited to trust the Lord in now that we're here, it's still not like we're ro rolling in the dough uh, and our kids are older and there's more expenses and being a homeowner is more expensive than being a trailer owner, believe it or not. Um, but I've just been uh, really burdened. Uh, you, you learn so much from giving and I felt, I personally have felt deficient. Now, I always gave to the church. I tithe and I, I gave to missions and I gave to the building fund, but I was not able to give maybe over and above. Um, and uh, I've been excited to venture out on that, uh, that, that journey. But why is it important to me? It is important to me because of like what Pete said, just how much you learn, just how close you grow with the Lord as you are a part of what he's doing, your faith grows, and it's a blessing to be a part of his work. Somebody else on that? Yes, ma'am. One thing that stood out to me was, you know, David being a king and wealthy, like he could have just, you know, I'm going to build this and do it. He could have done it himself, possibly, with all the wealth that he had, but God chose to involve everybody, and everybody took part and was a part of it. Just encourages me that you know we can all do something, we can all be a part. And, Amen. And it makes us have like ownership, you know. Yes. We sometimes think of our accounting differently than the way the Lord does. So we might think, I wonder who gave the most when it's all said and done. I wonder who gave the most. God doesn't see it the same way we see it. The widow with the mite, or two mites, is that what? Not termites. The, the, the widow with a couple of pennies. Uh, God said she gave the most. So we might think that we're just barely a part of this thing. But it has to do with your faith has to do with the level of, of sacrifice. Um, and for her, she gave all of her living. I'm not asking anybody to give all their living. Um, but nonetheless, uh, that's what God said there in that case. So yet yeah, God accounts it different than we do. You just simply need to do what he tells you to do and be the part that you're supposed to be and let him, uh, let him bless. Again, and we don't talk about giving all the time. If you're new here tonight, you're saying, whoa, this is rough. Man, this church just gets right out there. Giving, you know, it's all about giving. No, we're, we're in a five-part series leading up to a big offering and a, and a pledge commitment Sunday where we're going to kick off three years of a building program. And so we're preparing our hearts for this because this is a big deal. This is not something you just go into lightly. And so we want to make sure that we're covering this biblically and giving God an opportunity to really deal with us uh, and make us ready. I like in the book on page 9 <coughs> how it connects John 3.16 to 2 Corinthians 8.7. And uh, uh, really, truly, our example in giving is God's gift of His Son. 2 Corinthians 8 7 says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and your love, see, see that ye abound in this grace also. And what grace was it he was referring to 
he was referring to the grace or the gift of giving. Abound in this grace also. And that's in addition to faith, utterance, knowledge, diligence, and love. Uh, I would say, I'll just be totally honest with you, um, I have grown in some of those other virtues faster than this one. This one's taken a longer time for me. Some of us have the gift of giving, and I can look around here, and I, I know some of you just have, have definitely been endued from the Lord with a gift of giving. Um, I've got other gifts. I don't know that giving was like my gift. Uh, I, I've had to really struggle with uh, a lack of desire. And, and um, for me, it's been maybe a lack of faith. Oh, if I give this, then what about this? And how do I do that? And so forth. Uh, but this has been a journey of faith for me that um, God has taught me faith in other areas, faith for souls. Um, and I have learned faith for finances and evangelism, as I mentioned uh, God never left us without what we needed. Um, but this has been one that in my personal journey, I've been slower in. But he wants us to abound in this grace also. <clears throat> well, he had it figured out. He loved us so much, he gave his only son. And uh, that's the example. We want to love him so much that we would give back to him as he directs us to do. All right. Um, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So the question on page 10, spiritually speaking, who has had the most influence on me to understand the value of generosity and following the example of Christ. Uh, and, and this might be very personal to you, um, and that's fine. If you don't want to share, that's fine. Obviously, we all have the example of Christ, and that example of generosity cannot be topped. Um, <clears throat> but maybe there's someone else who has had an influence on you to help you understand the value of generosity and following that example of Christ. And I can tell you there's several folks I could mention uh, that come to mind right now of folks who have impacted me with their generosity, people who've given like the Philippians, not out of their abundance, but out of the abundance of their poverty. That's the wrong kind of abundance, okay? <laughs> you're abounding the wrong direction if you're abounding in poverty. Uh, and yet, uh, they, they gave to Paul. And I I'm telling you, in evangelism, we have seen some of the smallest churches give us the largest offerings. Brother John, you've seen the same thing. I mean, he's told me multiple times about these little dinky churches and the offerings that they will do for him and his wife and their ministry. We've seen the same thing. And you're saying, where did this come from? It came from a little group of faith-filled believers who were in love with the Savior and in love with his work in love with God's servants, furthering that work. And they've learned to trust God and abound in this grace also. Anyone have something you want to share on that? Someone who's influenced you that you can speak. Maybe there's something you're not, I know there's some that you maybe you don't want to 
share for one reason or another, that's fine. I respect the personal aspect of that. <clears throat> well, yes. I have been pastor of Graceway Baptist Church less than three years, like two years and 10 months. And a man there gave me a car. And it wasn't, it was a 1968 Chevrolet Chevelle with a 396 cubic inch engine mm. that he got at a classic car auction. Because he knew I, I liked it. <laughs> or I had one when I was in high school. Anyway, <laughs> 32 years previous. See how he rattled that off? He <laughs> had all those specs. <laughs> it's, it's in our garage. <laughs> but my point is, he didn't say, oh, you've been here 20 years. Here's what I want to give you for your faithfulness. Less than three years. And the first year and a half of that, I worked full time with it. And, and, but the man had a big heart for giving. And, and he passed away last year. It was one of the last funerals I did. Mm. His name was Howard Garbo. Mm. He owned uh, part owner of Highline's Utilities out in New Boston. So maybe somebody here knows of it. But anyway, he, he gave. He had cars. He, if there was a need in a church or at Christmas, he would say, if you know a needy family, let me know. Wow. He, like you said, you talk about influencing you, forgiving. He did. Amen. And I, I, <clears throat> I told he said, you look good in that car. I said, I can't afford that car. <laughs> and then on our 25th anniversary, he said, come over. We want to give you something. That's why. And the title, signed it over. Unreal. <laughs> wow. Overwhelmed. Yeah. Praise the Lord. And uh, people who are generous are people who have learned to be generous because they recognize God's generosity to them. And they're humbled to receive it and they want to pass it off. Yes. What was that? Go ahead. Wow. So I don't know if you could hear all that, you know, because she's way in the back, but basically just testifying that generosity was a huge part of her coming to Christ. God met her in her need, her physical needs, and uh, with food, shelter, companionship with those friends, and God used that generosity to open her heart to God's generosity, sending the Savior. It really does dovetail, folks. It's hard to tell someone about the greatest gift and 
we're not givers. You know, you never would give anybody anything, but God will give you Jesus. You know, when you're generous, it's a pathway for the gospel. It does, it does help undergird that message. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. That's huge. That's, that's an aspect we haven't talked about yet, how that your giving and generosity can be used of God to help uh, further the work of the, of the gospel. Somewhere along our journey of, of the, I'm not sure if it was on Pauline or when we were building out here, but we were raising money, and our former pastor, Pastor Earth, he and his wife prayed about it, and they they gave their house uh, for that. They sold their house and gave all of the proceeds to, I'm not sure if it was to buy the building on Pauline or to help without here, but it just, you know, really had an impact on me, and I'm sure it did on many mm. in the congregation just to see he and his wife and how they gave so sacrificially for, Amen. for the Lord and for the church. That's a great testimony. And hey, if it's an investment that you know is eternal, you know, hey, do what God tells you to do. He'll, he'll give you the, the grace, the strength. Uh, but what a powerful testimony. Appreciate that. Amen. So let me ask the next one. Is my value on the importance of living a generous life influencing others? That's kind of where we've already segued to. You know, uh, you mentioned that, Megan and, and Pete, and how other people's giving, uh, Brother, brother uh, Worrell, um, their giving in, influenced you, but what about me now? Is my value on the importance of living a generous life influencing others? If so, in what ways have I seen evidence of this? If not, what do I feel I need to do about this? And this one's one I'll just let you answer yourself, okay? Uh, because this one is one you just need to chew on. Am I living a generous life that is actually impacting people? And now, the point is not for us to stand up and brag about it. Oh, yes, I'm impacting people here and here and here and here and here. You know, that's not the point of this. But the point is for us to be able to take inventory with the Spirit's help and, and uh, to be able to say, well, I want my kids to learn giving. And where are they going to learn it if they don't learn it from me? I want my grandkids, Lord willing, to learn giving. Uh, I want others around me to know that living a generous life is the only life worth living. And you don't have to worry um, that you're going to outgive God. God, uh, God takes care of us. So just chew on that one uh, and, and uh, pray about that. <clears throat> We've already answered maybe number 11 on page 11, top page 11, what's the most generous thing I've seen someone do and how has it changed me? Several of you have already mentioned something Maybe someone else wants to add something to that. Uh, but what is the most generous thing I've seen someone do and how has that changed me? If you have something you'd like to add, you may. I honestly feel like people have been so generous to me that I could write a book about it, if I could remember them all. And frankly, it, happens so, it has happened so much, I'm sure I couldn't remember half of them. Um, but it's, I, I have personally benefited more than I'll never know in this life from the generosity of God's people. Um, just so many stories, but when you think about our whole eight years in evangelism, um, the, just the way that whole ministry is structured was based on the generosity of God's people. 
We had no salary unless people gave. We couldn't do anything we did unless people gave. Uh, literally, I feel like we were living on manna from heaven every single day. And now that I'm a pastor, it's a little bit different because um, I'm, I'm receiving a regular salary, but it still comes from God's people. It's still the giving of God's people, so I still can't get away from the manna, you know, uh, which is great. I'm not trying to get away from the manna. This is what God has done. Uh, but I certainly am feeling the older I get, the more and more um, convinced I am of just how much I would like to be able to give back uh, to this church, to these people, and to be able to uh, have a part as well. Anything you want to say on that point there? Something that impacted you personally through someone's giving? Yes, ma'am. That's something. It, it, it was something that I still hear stories about. Um, last week, in fact, somebody mentioned that, that occasion um, for just something small. Mm. Even all the way at 97 years old. Amen. 97 years old, still giving and, and giving uh, faithfully. By the way, on this note, um, when someone gives to you and God's directed them to do so, you need to receive that gift. Um, now, there are times where maybe there could be some ulterior motive or you feel like you're being bribed or something. Maybe the Lord will give you wisdom if, the, if, if something's off and this is not a, a true, genuine gift. We trust the Lord for wisdom on that. But in, in a general sense, if, if, God, if you have a need, you've been praying about that need, and God sends someone to meet that need, don't send them packing. Oh, no, I can do that. Grandpa always said, we don't take charity. Well, sometimes we need to evaluate some of the things that we've grown up with from Scripture. And uh, why don't we take charity? Is it because we're, is that charity? Or is it just a brother in, in Christ trying to be, there you go. It's, it's oftentimes our pride. Um, and uh, sometimes our pride reacts to receiving the gift 
of another person. Maybe I want to be the guy who can give the gifts and save the day and buy all the meals and fill up the gas tanks. And I want to be that guy. Well, you know what? Maybe you're not that guy right now. And this is where God has you. And maybe if you were able to be that guy right now, you would be full of pride and destroyed. So God knows where you're at. He knows what you can handle. And you're on the receiving end. And God's going to use that to humble you and bless you and keep you usable. Receive that gift and grow. Let that other person use their gift and whatever God's given them. But be, be willing. I remember I gave a college student a ride home once when I was also a college student. And um, he didn't want to take a free ride, I could tell. And so he, he wanted to pay me, but he was broke. And he had some groceries in his bag. And so he ruffled th rifled through his groceries and he found some ramen noodles. He's like, here, thanks for the ride. And uh, I, I, I could tell if I didn't take it, he was going to be hurt. I don't want to take his ramen noodles. <laughs> But he insisted, you got to take these noodles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, brother, God bless you. <laughs> Ramen noodles or whatever. Um, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, when you mentioned giving a ride, um, it was a uh, number of years ago, right after I got saved, I was trying to witness people. I went, uh, I went uh, there's a Kroger by my house, and there's a homeless guy out there. And uh, I was, uh, when I went inside, I was, man, I don't want to talk to this guy. I, me and my buddies, I went to down to Detroit with, witness them, just give them food and water, you know, we usually don't give them money for obvious reasons, a lot of, you know, arguments with drugs, but anyway, I went in, got my stuff, and um, I just felt like, I was like, man, let me go talk to this guy and see what, what's going on with him, and he's like, man, I just need a, he's like, I don't need any food or anything, I just need a ride, and uh, it was on my way, it was on my way home, and, uh, you know, you have a few thoughts, um, when you take someone in your car, you don't know, obviously, but I'm like, whatever, I'll, I'll do it, you know, I, obviously, I've shared the gospel with him while we're talking, and it was about a five, ten minute ride, and uh, it kind of moved me because when he got in my car, uh, first of all, he didn't smell good. I don't know if anybody's been around homeless people. You don't want to be near them. Uh, that's just not a shit as far as smell, and you know they're not showered. And anyway, he came in the car, and uh, he got in, and we started driving. And he's like, uh, it moved me because he said, you know, I, I was afraid again. I thought you were gonna hurt me, and I was like, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to help you out. I shared him the gospel, and then I left him. I had like a New Testament Bible I gave him, and I never seen him again. You know, hopefully, I hope that uh, I had some impact on his life. And he wanted to give me, like you said, a few bucks. I'm like, dude, I don't. I didn't do it for the money. Like I just, you know, I did it just to help you out. And we'll yeah. see. I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I hope it would be awesome to see him in heaven one day yeah. and say, hey, you impacted me. Not because he got saved because of me, but mm -hmm. you had an impact and you directed me right. know, towards Christ. But Amen. Yeah. There's multiple ways we can give and meet needs and you have no idea where someone's at in their journey at that moment and are they open and, and they're, uh, you never know. That guy uh, may have been impacted eternally because of that. Uh, yeah, brother? <clears throat> I mentioned the guy at the church, but there is a lady for 40 years that I have been married to her daughter and she's sitting right here, mm -hmm. my mother-in-law, Eleanor Weedman, that every time we had a need, or I had a need, either to live at their house with our kids, or down financially once for a down payment on a house, which we pay back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> her and her husband always. Amen. 
and open their hearts. Praise the Lord. To me and my family. Oh, praise the Lord. That's a legacy to pass on for sure. But Steve, you had something? Praise God for, for the goodness of his people. Ms. Weedman. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that heartfelt testimony, sister. You're exactly right. We cannot begin to give in proportion to what he has given us. And that, I think, is what inspired King David from our passage this morning. He was overwhelmed. He comes to the end of his life, and he's saying, how did I get so blessed? 
Who am I, is what he said. Who am I and what's, who is my house, right? Uh, God has just blessed me and he wanted to give back and he gave back with all his might. Megan? Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to get to the last one on page 11 before we're done here. It says, in reflecting on these questions and in light of this Christ at the Center Giving Initiative, what things do I feel I need to do or change in terms of my generosity? Of course, it's a personal question, and so I would encourage you to pray about that privately and mark that down privately. But I want to give you some thoughts as we make this personal. Um, First of all, again, I said it this morning, but I want to reiterate it because sometimes what I think I said clearly, nobody got, and so I need to repeat things sometimes. So again, I want to repeat this. This generosity initiative, this giving initiative that we are embarking upon really and truly is bigger than giving to a building. We've got to see it that way. It's, it's about generosity, period. And if we as a church develop and nurture a culture of generosity to God's work, to his church, to his servants, um, we will be in a better position to do whatever he asks us to do as far as buildings and those sorts of things. That's, that's, so it, it's bigger than a building. It's just uh, questions to ask would be, am I a giver? Do I tithe? Do I trust the Lord by faith in my finances? Am I surrendered to his direction in my giving? They're those kind of questions. And then uh, a question would be, you know, does my giving reflect the priority that he has in my life or should have in my life. So I'll give you some stats here. This comes from our, our friends over at Building God's Way. We've got a people that we're in touch with and a consultant or two that uh, we are staying in contact with and uh, they've been of help to us. And this is uh, some stats from them. <clears throat> On average, and I'll probably mention this again. You'll probably hear this again coming up, but we'll, we'll get it out here tonight. On average, uh, churches that work with Building God's Way, that's the group that's going to, Lord willing, build our our buildings. On average, churches that work with Building God's Way, um, 54% of the people at these churches don't give to their church. 
So 54% of the people in the churches that are working with BGW don't give. So more than half don't give at all. 23% give $1,000 or less per year. And these are, these are good churches. They're, they're working with Building God's Way. Building God's Way works with evangelical churches and ch churches like ours and a little bit broader than ours, but on the whole, it would be gospel preaching churches. So if you put that together, 54% plus 23% is 77%. So 77% of all of the people in the churches that work with BGW give nothing to $1,000 per year. Um, I don't know what our stats are. I would like to think that they're higher than that, but I don't, I don't see um, your giving. I don't look at your name and find what you give. But another stat here, Starbucks says that on average, a customer pays $2,150 a year on coffee. And I know we've got a lot of coffee drinkers in church, okay? So potentially, there are people who are spending <clears throat> $2,150 a year on coffee from Starbucks, but $1,000 or less per year going to God's work. And so you just have to ask some honest questions. Um, if that's you, then you just have to, let's just be honest with ourselves. Um, what do I believe his church is? And where do I believe this is going? And how valuable is the church to this age in which we live? And just how pivotal is, is this thing that we call church? And uh, do we believe that we're in the last days? Do we believe that the church is the pillar and ground of the truth? Do we believe that uh, we're in the church age and that uh, we should be seeing uh, churches started and growing and replanted and and expanded and so forth? Do we believe these things or is the church not that important? We can say whatever we want with our mouths, but uh, our budgets also speak for us. And so these are some things that I would ask you to pray about. Uh, which is more important, your coffee or your church? And, and don't just say it with your mouth, but go back and look at uh, your spending and let that answer for you. Uh, so I would not want it to be said of us that for 77% of our church, coffee is more important than the work of Christ. Uh, he said, I will build my church and the gates will not prevail against it. Gates of hell will not prevail against it. Um, uh, it is exciting to be a part of his work. He's the head, we're the body. We get to be connected to him and he invites us to be a part of what he is doing. Uh, and so let's take it very seriously. Let's reflect on these questions. I'd encourage you, Take your little booklet home and pray about these questions and uh, pray over this commitment card. Uh, this will just be a tool that will help you and help us as we gauge where we're at as a church going forward and uh, how we can better plan. Uh, my wife and I talked today, this afternoon, we took some time on our porch swing and prayed about, talked about, uh, our finances, our commitment. And at this point, I think we know what we're doing. Now, the Lord may change it between now and then, but at this point, we're, we're, we're together. And uh, I've really got two goals. 
one I'm putting down on the card and then one that goes beyond that, but I don't have the faith to put that on the card. I'm just being honest with you, okay? So uh, you're allowed to do that too. I've got, there's the, the number we're, we're putting on the card, which is a faith, it is a faith commitment, but I really am praying I want to hit my second goal. That's really where my heart is, and that's really what I am going to be going after, Lord willing, is that second goal. Um, and uh, uh, I'm just looking forward to how God will direct and lead and provide in that way. This has been great discussion. I hope you're encouraged by the example of King David. I know that I was as I read through those two chapters and just saw his, his heart for the Lord, his zeal to, to not be denied. You know, Lord, I'm going to give to this thing one way or another. If Solomon builds it, fine but I'm going to give. And that's, I believe, where my heart is as well. Uh, if, if for some reason I'm not able to see this through and I don't foresee that, uh, I would still be thrilled to simply be a part of it and know that God used us uh, in his work. May God help us to be willing, generous servants. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of David. And I pray that you would help us also to have hearts that have set our affections on the work of God and uh, to, to rejoice in the opportunity to humbly and willingly give toward that work. Pray that you'd give us specific leadership now. Help us to know what you're calling on us to do and give and pledge. And we just pray that you would greatly lead uh, in these days. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for the great discussion.